Trump stepped into controversy from remarks he made about Russia at a rally just yesterday. Now, CNN's Elena Train has been following all of it. She is live in South Carolina to fill us in. So, Elena, what did the former president say and how did the crowd react? Right. Well, Manu, uh, the former president uh, told his supporters yesterday that he would encourage Russia to do, quote, whatever the hell they want to any NATO member country that did not meet its spending obligations. Take a listen to how he put it to his supporters in South Carolina yesterday. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay. You're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. Now, Mano, I mean, just a stunning admission from the former president. He's essentially saying that he would not abide by the collective defense uh, clause in that agreement. Now, um, I do also just want to point out that Trump has long held the view that NATO is a drain on American resources by what he deems are freeloaders. Um, and it also comes as many European countries are concerned about what that could mean if he were to reclaim the White House. Now, I do also just want to point out the context of these remarks. Uh, the former president, as he's been making these comments, you know, Republicans in Congress have been really pushing back against potential aid or more aid, I should say, to Ukraine as well. As, as European leaders are warning about uh, Russian aggression across Europe. Now, um, I do want to also note that the White House immediately criticized those comments. Uh, the spokesperson, Andrew Bates, wrote uh, or said, quote, encouraging invasions of our closest allies by murderous regimes is appalling and unhinged, and it endangers American national security, global stability, and our economy at home. Manu? One thing Congress did was to prevent a president from unilaterally pulling out of NATO. We'll see if that ever comes to pass. Elena Train, thank you so much for that report from the trail. All right, so uh, back with us here in the room with, the, with our panel here. Just a, a sense of how this has played out on the shows this morning. Nikki Haley, Trump's remaining rival in the presidential race. No surprise she jumped on this as Trump, Trump, some of Trump's defenders defended him. Don't take the side of a thug who kills his opponents. Don't take the side of someone who has gone in and invaded a country and half a million people have died or been wounded because of Putin. Don't take the side of someone who continues to lie. What he's basically saying is, if you, if you see the comments, he said NATO was broke or busted until he took over because people weren't paying their dues. And then he told the story about how he used leverage to get people to step up to the plate. And, and become more active in NATO. He's not the first American president. In fact, virtually every American president at some point in some way has complained about other countries in NATO not doing enough. Um, you know, Trump's just the first one to express it in these terms. Eva, you've been on the trail a lot, especially with Nikki Haley. How do you think this is going to play out in South Carolina? Well, I know that for many voters, foreign policy isn't sort of a key motivator. So that could be why the former president feels so comfortable making these remarks so casually. As Elena pointed out, he has said similar variations of this time and time again. And then we also know from voters, especially those who are struggling economically right now, they have very little interest in foreign aid. And so Trump's argument sort of leans into that notion that America is overtaxed and contributing too much to countries around the world. It's a populist argument that 
uh, actually may be palatable to uh, folks outside of the Republican yeah. base, Democrats it, as it's well. A, it's that tension between the Republican base, the defense hawks, the more uh, libertarian wing, if you want to call it that, or the Trump-minded wing of the party has been playing out for some time. Also, Trump went after Nikki Haley's husband, took a swipe at her husband, who is uh, deployed in Africa. Of course, he's a member of the South Carolina National Guard, but a back and forth played out after over those comments. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. If you mock the service of a combat veteran, you don't deserve a driver's license, let alone being president of the United States. Now, Michael Haley posted on uh, Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, on X, said the difference between humans and animals Animals would never allow the dumbest ones to lead the pack. Woof, that's tough. Uh, and, but, you know, look, obviously this is all playing out in the context of a primary. We're headed into uh, the, the, late, the primary later this month in Haley's home state of South Carolina. She's losing pretty considerably in the polls, according to a poll from last week. Does this, uh, you know, she's obviously going to try to capitalize on all these remarks, but is it too little too late? It is. I mean, she's, uh, the polls show that she's down about 30 percentage points to Donald Trump right now. But in a previous segment, we just spoke about the calculation that the White House is making and that drawing this contrast with Donald Trump, right? The fact that you have the ex-president front run, uh, assumably, assume, uh, presumably the front runner for the nomination, uh, essentially making disparaging comments about uh, women and marriage, et cetera, isn't going to win him any of those independent suburban women that he's going to need in November. Right? It's always a general election issue with Trump. But look, Trump, remember, he mocked John McCain's right. military service, and it didn't have really much of an impact on him when he made those remarks, too. Right, and I do think to some extent this is already baked in when it comes to Trump supporters. He's known for this type of rhetoric, and there's some Republicans who say, yeah, we don't like the way he talks, but we like his policies, and we're not happy with the state of things right now in the country. And so... I mean, you're so right that in a general election, I don't think those comments help at all. Um, but in terms of a primary, I don't think it makes an impact at all. Okay, so this all comes, of course, as, look, Trump has so many legal issues. He's got these criminal cases that are upcoming, just to remind viewers of uh, the potential start dates of this, the federal election interference case that has been essentially put on hold until the Supreme Court probably the Supreme Court rules on his immunity case. First, Trump has to appeal that by tomorrow before the full D.C. Circuit or even take it straight to the Supreme Court. We'll see how he deals with that. Then there's the hush money payments case in New York. That seems the most likely one that is going to come to verdict before November. We'll see what happens with the classified documents case. The Georgia case seems unlikely given all the problems that that case is 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 that's happening with that case mario mario you were at mar-a-lago this week after uh trump's lawyers had argued before the supreme court how are they handling all this how is the trump campaign handling all these uh, court dates that are coming well, up aside from the comments uh that he made yesterday they felt like it was a pretty good week the president the former president was in a pretty good mood the supreme court seemed to signal that it would rule in his favor even with some of the most liberal justices as well they've been uh the biden case you've seen him kind of pounce on the age and mental acuity issue but more so just trying to make this argument that it's a two-pronged uh selective prosecution two-tiered system you'll see a lot of that you'll see them continue to make the delays in order to get close 
closer and closer to November so he can continue to bolster his election interference uh, argument as well. And again, try to convince those independent voters. Republicans are already in the camp. Those, it's those independent voters that you have to convince that this is a selective prosecution, as he argues. Yeah, what's remarkable is, to put it gently, Trump lived such a dissimilar life uh, for his whole life to so many Americans. But he has effectively uh, marketed to a significant number of Republicans that, hey, I'm just a stand-in for you. They're coming after me, uh, but they could be coming after you next. And you mm -hmm. hear it on the campaign trail. Uh, people sort of make this argument and feel sort of a certain kinship and solidarity with him remarkably yeah. uh, in the wake of these many legal challenges. Yeah, and look, the question that I have had for some time is at what point does Biden jump in and sort of talk about these issues? He has tried to avoid talking about these really at all. That's actually going to be a question we'll have to explore a little bit later, but that has been the decision to step not talk about the merits of these allegations and let the court trials play out, but maybe he'll change his mind when the general election comes.